Hey guys, welcome to The Real Housewives of Riverdale, the podcast where grown-ass adults take sexy teen murder mysteries just as seriously as you do. I'm your host, Sheree, and tonight I'm joining you from the bottom of a bottle of Sparkle Teeny. <laughs> After being trapped in a house with a three-year-old for five solid days because it was too cold and icy to go anywhere, it's a wonder I'm not joining you from the bottle or from the bottom of a bottle of vodka, said the best mother ever. <laughs> it's, it's been a week. Um, But today we're here to talk about the pilot episode of Riverdale. It's titled Chapter One, The River's Edge. I did find an um, an 80s horror movie called River's Edge, but it had no resemblance to the plot of this episode, so we're just not even going to discuss it. Um, But they will try to name the chapters of their episodes after horror stories, and it almost has nothing to do with anything, but whatever. Any hoodle. Um, the episode starts with a monologue voiceover from Jughead, who is our narrator, but we barely meet him in this episode, and that kind of bums me out. We see the Blossom Twins and some truly some of the most beautiful TV I have ever seen. Like, it is gorgeous. It really hooked me right away. I think that's one of the things that led me to really like this show. It wasn't super dark like all of the other CW shows. It had some very beautiful contrast. So the next thing you know, um, Dalton Doily is finding Cheryl, well, him and his scouts, whatever. They find Cheryl all balled up on a boulder with her integrated marketing cover girl makeup just smeared all over her face. Um, and she like croaks out this weak little Jason. And it's honestly my favorite scene from the pilot and maybe even the whole show. <laughs> like it might be my favorite scene from the whole series because it's so gripping. Like we are two minutes into the show and it's just absolutely gorgeous. And I'm like, what the hell happened to Jason? <laughs> even though I haven't heard him say a single word, I want to know what went down just now. Let's see. There's a whole shtick with like the Coopers and you know how bitchy Alice is, but I can't even take it seriously because they just have all these people tromping through their crime scene. Like, that's not real. The cops would be turning people away right and left, but whatever. We meet Veronica for the first time, and that has, like, a very Gossip Girl vibe. Um, We meet Betty for the first time in her bra with Kevin Keller. It makes no sense, but, you know, whatever. Maybe the studio or the network or somebody said hey, we need to make, you know, we really need to up the sexiness of this show to, to get teens and millennials to watch. And that's, that's one of the choices that they made. I think it's super dumb, but, um, but it didn't totally turn me away. Um, let's see, we finally get a glimpse of Archie who, I mean, we, we came here to the show presumably because we read the Archie comics when we were kids. I feel like that's a solid 80% of the fan base. Um, or at least the adult fan base is here because we read the Archie comics at some point in some fashion as kids. And we've made it through quite a bit of this show that's billed as the Archie show. We, we are just now meeting Archie. He's very attractive, but he has god awful hair. So they, so KJ Appa, who plays Archie, is Samoan. He is, well, half Samoan. His dad is a Maori chief, so they have very, very dark hair. And he has to get it bleached every two weeks to get it to the level of red, to be Archie. 
poor kid's going to be bald before he's 35. But anyway, um, when they shot this pilot, they had not yet figured out the formula to get his hair the right shade of red. And you can definitely tell because it is jarring. Um, but it does get better, so that's the good news. Then we go to Pops, where Betty and Archie are having their annual last day of summer grilled cheese and milkshakes because they're so cute. Um, and after regaling Archie with stories from her internship with Toni Morrison, Betty almost asks Archie to be her boyfriend, but before she, can, she even can, of course, Veronica walks in. And apparently... You know, besides all the, like, fancy New York City stuff about her, she's also not shy. <laughs> she's the new kid in town, and she's famous for being part of this, you know, corrupt family, like this Bernie Madoff-type family, but she just, like, waltzes over to this table of teenagers that look like they're on a date and introduces herself, makes a Truman Capote reference, and slams these kids town all at once. She just like drops bombs as the new kid. As somebody who is the new kid almost every two years in school from preschool all the way through college, I can tell you it, it never gets any less nerve-wracking or scary. So I find it super hard to believe that even Veronica Lodge has the confidence to just like walk up to people and be like, hi, I'm gonna go to your school tomorrow. It's so bizarre. Um, anyway, so they talk about Truman Capote and how she's a little bit breakfast at Tiffany's and, and this town is a little bit in cold blood. So, you know, normal teen conversations. Um, then we go to the first day of school. We see Luke Perry. It's Dylan McKay, everybody. Everybody clap. Everybody who's 30 and older and actually knows who he is. Um, still hot. Still got it. So we meet him. He plays Archie's dad. But in the same morning, we also see Betty's mom, you know, giving Betty a hard time about sophomore year and then pushes Adderall on her. So, you know, maybe Betty needs it. Maybe she has like ADHD, but maybe also Alice has ulterior motives because so far in this show, we're led to not like Alice. She made some very off-color remarks about a kid who's possibly dead um, at the top of the show. And now she is really putting some heavy pressure on her daughter and and using her other daughter as an excuse. At school we meet Reggie and Moose for the first time who are the broiest bros in bro town and apparently three feet taller than all of the other students. So I don't know if like because I know they shoot the show at an actual high school in Vancouver at least partial time. Um, I don't know if the kids in in this hallway shot are actually teenagers like if they're actual students at this school or if they hired extras from like the lollipop guild or what the hell it is but reggie and moose are so much taller than than the rest of the student body apparently um betty is veronica's school appointed tour guide because that's a real thing it's not as a professional new kid i can tell you never once did i have somebody show me around the school I had, I like, once my mom dropped me off in the morning, I had to figure that shit out myself. And it would have been a ton easier if I had, like, a really nice girl like Betty to show me around and help me find my classes and teach me about the history of the school and whatever. But that's not a real thing that happens. Now, if you're going to, like, 
tweet me and tell me that happened when you went to a new school, just like save your thumbs. That's awesome. I'm really happy for you that you had a less terrifying new school experience than the rest of us, but just know that's not a real thing that happens. So Veronica totally puts down the school that Betty is obviously proud of and just gushing about. Um, Veronica and Kevin meet for the first time and Kevin is really adorable and really gay and Veronica's like, before he can even say his name, um, she's like, I'm Veronica. And he says, I'm, and she says, gay, let's be best friends. Because apparently Veronica is me in high school. <laughs> Kevin is every guy that I had friend that I was friends with in high school, all rolled up into one because I was a theater nerd. So not a lot of like super cool, broiest bros of bro town hanging out in the drama club. <laughs> um, most of them were very Kevin Keller and not even that cool and suave. The next we meet Josie and the Pussycats in this like whirlwind of meeting characters. Um, just bam, bam, bam being introduced to characters from the, um, from the comics, which is good. I mean, I think that's definitely a shout out to everybody who came here, f you know, from the comics. They're like, oh, there's that person I recognize. There's that person I recognize, you know, Reggie, Moose. You know, it, Josie, Val, Melody, all of them. And Josie calls, um, she rightly puts Archie in his place. He does not get to use all of their hard work to further himself. And I just want to give Josie all of the clap emojis. Also, she calls him Justin Gingerlake, and that's like my favorite thing in the whole world. I want a shirt that says it with KJ Appa's face on it. So if, you know, somebody get to work on that. I will give you money. I don't have any, but I'll find some. Um, let's see. Then they have the weirdest assembly ever. It's like a funeral slash pep rally in honor of um, the kid who might be dead. We see just how thirsty Cheryl is for attention. So it really doesn't seem like she's grieving, even though she has the half black veil, you guys. She's so sad, but really it just seems like she's using this like for a political move. <laughs> I don't know, it just seemed, it all seemed very political to me. Then we get the big Miss Grundy and Archie locking eyes before a disgusting flashback from the summer where um, teacher Pervy McPerverson rolls up in her VW bug and sees Archie being all sexy coming home from his construction job. And she's like very, very distractedly slurping on her Slurpee and looking over her freaking Lolita glasses at this kid and offers him a ride. Like, if ever we need a double entendre, apparently Miss Grundy is there to give it and to be totally disgusting. It's like you can actually hear the word sploosh in this scene and it totally creeps me out. I know it's supposed to be like hot and sexy because, you know, she's the hot teacher and he's um, this really hot student and it's all just supposed to be like really raunchy, but really it's gross and I wish they would keep stuff like this off our TV because it's played out after Dawson's Creek and Pretty Little Liars and I mean, I feel like it's in every teen show. We just need to drop it. It's so gross. Um, then we go back to the gym and we're supposed to be paying attention to how great 
Archie is emoting in his like angst and desire and, and all of that, but you can't because it's so distracting how sitting just on the bleacher robe below him, there is Moose and apparently Moose can't clap. <laughs> so it looks like he's just like haphazardly banging his hands together and it's, it's very distracting. And so after, I mean, I'm like three pages into my notes for this pilot and it's only just now that we get the title card. We get this like Riverdale. Um, presumably we're doing a commercial break now, but I don't know. I watched this on Netflix, so um, I'm just making some wild assumptions here. We get some more gross Gundy, Grundy stuff in the hallway where it's just awful and we're supposed to be like paying attention to it for clues for what happened to Jason, but like I can't. I can't give any more attention to to the pedophilia of this nonsense. Then we see Fred and Hermione at Andrew's construction where he rightly tells her that he cannot hire her to work his books when her husband is in prison for fraud and embezzlement. Can you imagine trying to get a construction contract and the people that you're bidding for learn that Mrs. Bernie Madoff is is working your books? Like, no. He is, he is totally right to not hire her, even though she tries to, like, remind him that they used to date. So, you know, that's probably going to come up again. And tries to, you know, get all warm and fuzzy with, you know, where's Mary, your wife? And, you know, he admits that they're separated. Also, I want to say I think it's really great that they have a single dad as the main character, the main character's parent on this show, and he's not a widower. Like, that's something you don't get a lot of. A lot of times, dads are only competent because they have to be, not because they choose to be. And I really like that representation on TV. And I feel like moms would have it a lot easier if there was more of that in the social zeitgeist. Where if boys saw examples of what it is to be a good dad without, you know, there being a tragic accident and they finally have to step up for the mom who, who isn't around anymore. I think that's really, that's great. I think they're moving in a great direction with that. Um, there's a weird lunch scene at, at school where nobody talks like an actual teenager. There's a whole exchange where Cheryl tries to recruit Veronica to the cheerleading squad, but Veronica's only going to do it if Betty agrees to do it. Um, Betty isn't so sure because apparently her and Cheryl have some beef. Cheryl, you know, fat shames Betty, which is ridiculous because... Lily Reinhardt is one of the most gorgeous women in the world, and, and I'm not just saying that because, like, I'm a Riverdale fan. Like, she really is super beautiful, and she was even, like, internet bullied for being too skinny, and, but in this scene, we're supposed to believe that she's, like, a little plump. As somebody who is very plump, that girl does not have any eating issues. She is perfect in her own body, the way she looks. Cheryl. Um... Then she has, Cheryl has a really terrible line with, follow me on Twitter and I'll do the same. And 
I don't know many teenagers, but I'm pretty sure absolutely none of them talk like that. It's so bizarre to me. Um, then we get more Grundy and whatever. Then we go to the cheerleading tryouts, the aforementioned cheerleading tryouts, where Veronica and Betty pair a super lame cheer with a Britney and Madonna kiss. And Cheryl very rightly tells them that she calls them out on it. She tells them that faux lesbian kissing hasn't been taboo since 1994. Take that network that I feel like made that happen so they could use it in their promos for this show um, to get all the pervy boys out there who read Archie comics and have imagined a three-way with Veronica and Betty. Thank you. That's not cool. To anybody's like sexual fluidity or homosexuality as a point to talk about how ballsy they are or how risque it is it's lame because in this day and age everybody should just be who they are and nothing should be like risque about it because you can't in the same breath say that you know you're an lgbtq you want to say that you're an ally and you're so woke but then you're going to use this like fake lesbian kiss to show off like how cool you are and like it wouldn't be cool if you didn't think it was like wrong so I don't like that and and it's just really awkward and it felt really gross that these girls who literally have met like less than 24 hours ago are totally making out in front of the rest of the cheerleading squad so good on Cheryl this time um then she's a total bitch to Betty. So she turns it around real quick. She she goes from being like Yas Queen to like, what is wrong with you? So she's a total bitch. She tries to bully Betty into being a bitch back to her, but Betty's into self-harm as a means to control her temper and anxiety, so she doesn't need to. <laughs> she's just gonna squeeze her fist so tight that her fingernails just break right through the skin, and then she doesn't have to deal with the pain and humiliation of being mean to to Cheryl. Um, and Veronica noticed this, this, she sees Betty's hand, sees her like ball her fist to the point that she's bleeding. And instead of saying something to an adult or a teacher or even Archie or Kevin who would know Betty's parents, she just retaliates against Cheryl in what is one of the most epic Veronica scenes ever. So it's a really good scene and it's always the scene where like whenever I get somebody into Riverdale and I finally convince them to, to watch it, to at least give the pilot a chance because they've heard me ramble on about it for like the last six months, they always text me when they're watching that scene. They're always like, oh my god, Veronica's reckoning scene is so amazing. And they're not wrong. But I, as an adult and as a parent, I do wish Veronica would have taken that opportunity to try to get Betty some help instead of just standing up against the bully like the amazing person that she is. Then we go to a scene where Coach Clayton very inappropriately gives Archie Jason's jersey when we don't even know if Jason is missing or dead yet. Like, his, if he is dead, the body can't even be cold. <laughs> like, he just went missing, but no, that's cool we're short one on varsity this year so and he was a redhead so i guess we'll just give it to this other redhead and we'll give him the same jersey instead of retiring it 
Okay, Coach Clayton. So either that's shady as hell, and we should take that as, as a note um, for a clue as to who might be involved with Jason's death slash disappearance, or we can just assume that Coach Clayton is a complete dick. Maybe both. Maybe neither. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Let's see. Um, then Betty is giving Veronica the lowdown on her family life. So they both made the cheerleading squad. And as they're walking around in their newly appointed cheerleading uniforms, she just tells her all the skeletons in her family's closet. This is a girl she just met. And I know that, like, we all know that Betty and Veronica are going to be best friends. They're going to be VMB because we know the backstory of these characters. But if this was real life, I would hope that Betty would not relay all her demons to Veronica right away. Because the only thing that we know about her is that she's rich and knows how to be mean. We just saw her totally shut down the mean girl at school. And we're giving her all the ammunition in the world. Not not a good idea, Betty. Um, and then there's like a whole thing where the love triangle are going to go to the dance together. So everybody get your um, threesome boners on. It's not going to happen. But <laughs> I feel like they, uh, they really wanted that scene of Archie walking hand in hand with both girls into the dance for, for all those guys who... Um, wanted those girls to be fighting over him um then we get this really awesome scene with betty dancing around her room and her cheerleading uniform and she's singing into her hairbrush and she's so happy and there's really great camera work where the camera just follows her like it's a handheld instead of being on a tripod and making lily reinhardt do all the work it actually follows her around and it makes you feel like you're in that moment with Betty that you're in her room and you're dancing around with her and you're also so happy and you're also 15 and having the time of your life until your mom walks in and then rains all over your parade. Um, Betty does stand up to her mom, which is awesome, but I couldn't really pay attention to that because Alice's bra is totally visible through her shirt and I couldn't look away. <laughs> so, um, let's see. Uh, Hermione gets a bag full of cash. Lucky. I wish that would happen to me. I wish I would just come home and my doorman slash butler slash I don't really know who Smithers is to them is just like, oh, Mrs. Atkins, they found your lost bag. It's full of wads of cash. <laughs> Have a great day. <laughs> that, would, that would be the best thing ever, and I want to know why that hasn't happened to me yet. Um... We see, oh, before we go to the dance, we get um, the most played out father and son fight between Fred and Archie. And while both Luke and KJ do some great acting and great reacting against each other, I don't even want to talk about it because it's a scene that we have seen a million times over and over again. The dad wants the boy to play football. The boy wants to pay attention to his music or whatever his passion is at the time. And it's boring. It's super played out, super tropey. So then we go to school for the dance, and the exterior shot of Riverdale High at night totally looks like it's straight out of Stranger Things season two. It looks like it's upside down Riverdale High, <laughs> the way the clouds are gathered around it, and there's like a beam of light shining right into the middle of it. It looks like you're gonna be like, 
oh, okay, well, this is where a demogorgon climbs out of the boiler room and eats all the kids, but no, it's just like a super normal um, school dance. Here are the four things we learn at this dance. One, Moose is hung like a horse. Two, Betty thinks relationships can be negotiated like business deals, and she gets crushed because they're not. Three, Grundy is an emotional manipulator and obviously in the wrong and not somebody that you should be shipping. And four, Cheryl is equally the best and worst. She's so cringeworthy, but also so titillating and so delightfully awful. I can't get enough of Cheryl Blossom. So at the after party that's hosted by the twin sister of the dead kid, where they're just going to have a kegger at her house because, you know, her parents don't mind while they're grieving the loss of their beloved son. It's cool. Whatever. You do you, Cheryl. Of course they play spin the bottle. And of course when it's Archie's turn, it lands directly between Betty and Veronica because this is the episode where we're just going to keep setting up and knocking down this love triangle until you really get it. He ends up going into the closet with Veronica for seven minutes in heaven. They wind up kissing. There's a really cute shot of their shoes, which I super duper love. <laughs> and then once time's up, they come out. Reggie's a total bro. Biggest bro in bro town again. Um, and then something very peculiar happens, which you might not get if you live in a big city. But Veronica says that she's going to take an Uber home. Here's the thing you need to understand. Uber only exists in like major metropolitan areas. That is not a thing that we have in small towns. I live about an hour from Fort Worth, which is the nearest city. Um, and you can take an Uber in Fort Worth. You may be in a place like Weatherford, which is kind of like a medium-sized city. They might have it now. I don't think they have much of a nightlife, so maybe not, but you definitely can't get it in a town that's very small like Riverdale. The town that I live closest to, I live in the middle of nowhere, but the town that I'm, you know, 15 minutes away from, you cannot get Uber. We just got our first taxi like three years ago. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure like big cities had taxis as soon as cars were invented, <laughs> probably like horse and buggies even. But um, nope, we just are leaping right into the 19th century with our taxi system. Um, and I think there's two cars. And uh, yeah, we just got it like three years ago. So super cool. I'm looking forward to being able to take an Uber, I don't know, when I retire maybe. Um, and then Archie, because he's just the smartest kid in the world, instead of going to Betty's house to look for her, he goes to Pops instead. And... I mean, I know they had to establish um, the relationship between Archie and Jughead by way of looking for Betty, but bro, my man, if you're missing someone, the first place you might want to check is their home. Just, just a suggestion. Um, but yeah, we get our first real Jughead scene. We've only seen glimpses of him so far and heard his voice in the voiceover, but hey, we finally get to meet our narrator close to the end of the show. He's apparently writing a novel about Jason. So is this like a St. Elsewhere thing where the story is just Jughead's story or is it a true crime novel? You know, what what's going on here? Um, 
we learn small things about Jason, nothing that's really intriguing, just that he was a jock. Um, but ultimately what we learn is that Jughead and Archie used to be friends, but now they're not. And if Archie wants to get Betty back as a friend, then he needs to just talk to her. It will go a long way with Betty, and it certainly would have gone a long way with Jughead. And which is a big lesson, guys, as somebody who's been married for a long time and has been in the same relationship since I was 19, um, communication is key. Every time we're going through a tough patch, it's always, it always boils down to we just don't know what the other one has an issue with. Just open up your mouth and talk. As much damage as you think you're going to do by it, you're actually going to make things a lot better by just being honest. And that's true for romantic relationships, but also for friendships. If you have, you know, some problems with your friends, just tell them. If they're really your friend, you'll work it out. You'll figure out how to make it work. But if you're not true friends, that person will be a complete cunt to you and you can just drop them. You know, just bye, Felicia. Um... Anyway, so we learned that. We learned that very big lesson, that communication is key in every relationship. Betty and Archie have a very awkward, it's not you, it's me, it's my pedophile girlfriend scene. He doesn't tell her about Grundy, but I think it would have helped a lot more if he had just told her, hey, I'm actually seeing somebody and it's new and it's a secret, so I can't say who, but... It's not that I don't love you because I do, it's because I just can't right now. I'm committed to somebody else. Also, Betty is still in her dance clothes, which is not true. Like, I don't care if you're 15 or if you're 50. If you get home from a night out, you're immediately in yoga pants and a sweatshirt and your hair in a bun. You don't stay in your party clothes because, boys, you might not get this. But it takes a lot of very uncomfortable underwear to wear a dress. So, and dresses are not comfortable usually unless they're like a maxi dress and you're pregnant. <laughs> That's the only way you want to live. Um, most of the time, they're god-awful uncomfortable. So, I think that's a, that's a change I would make. Betty should have been in her jammies. They both do some really great acting, especially my girl Lily Reinhardt. Um, she really pulls out the punches with, you know, the, why don't you love me? And he's, he's honest, you know, he says, I do love you, but I'm not good enough for you. I'm never going to be good enough for you. I'm sorry that I can't give you the answer that you want, which I think is really important for teenagers to see that you can have a real conversation. You don't have to play games. It doesn't have to be like this cat and mouse thing. You can just talk and it'll hurt. It's gonna hurt. But that hurt is worth going through, you know, versus being super immature. And if you really, truly care about the other person, the way that Archie really, truly cares about Betty, it's, it's important to be honest instead of just gaslighting or ghosting or whatever is the newest trend. Breadcrumbing, I think, is a thing now. Just be honest. Be a stand-up person instead of a douche. Um, then we see Kevin and Moose, they're about to do gay stuff <laughs> in the river because, uh, I mean, do either of them have like bedrooms or, 
another indoor place that they can hang out. <laughs> Instead, they have to go to the woods where it's gross and dirty and there's like bugs and stuff to do their fooling around. I feel really bad for them. Um, but they're about to go skinny dipping because Moose has requested to do anything and everything except for kiss on the lips because <laughs> I guess he watched Pretty Woman earlier that day and learned a valuable lesson about how to make it not personal. I, I don't know why he's playing by, uh, by Pretty Woman rules, but whatever, you know, I, I guess everybody comes out in their own way and experiments in their own way, so you do you, Moose, that's fine. Um, but before they can, you know, get to the skinny dipping and all the fun stuff, Kevin literally trips over a corpse. <laughs> you know how it is when you're just, you're just at the river and you're walking and then before you know it, you're face down in the middle of a dead body. If I had a nickel, <laughs> um, and oh my God, it's Jason Blossom. Of course it is. And he looks like a waterlogged zombie with a bullet in his head. So that's cool. Um, Jason was apparently shot. So who shot Jason Blossom? Um, and do we care? <laughs> so th this is a big parallel. Um, you know, it's a mystery show. And the big teen mystery show that just went off the air the same year as Pretty Little Liars. But I think one thing that they didn't quite get from PLL is that we were really invested into Allie because we got so many flashbacks of her from before she disappeared. I don't really care that Jason is dead. I mean, like he's a person and I care about people, but it's not as intriguing. But we do get some level of closure here that we never got in, in PLL. Um, we do actually see his dead body and he is obviously dead. And I really kind of wanted him to like sit up and be like, because <laughs> I think that would have been hilarious, but he did it. And then I guess it's either like a couple hours later or the next morning, but everybody's still in their like tuxes and you know, their dance garb. But the whole town is back at the riverbank again, just watching the cops as they conduct this investigation they're just tromping through all the evidence, but literally everybody is there. Our entire cast is there, including Veronica and Hermione, who don't even know the kid. They have zero connection to him, but they still made it out to the river so they could watch him get loaded in a body bag and up on a gurney. So that's cool. And then the camera lingers on Cheryl for a minute um, because it seems like she might not be um, totally honest about her experience at the river. Um, let's see. And then we get our, uh, Riverdale cardigan, our z -z 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 Riverdale. Um, and that's, that's the end of the episode. So now we'll move into our segments. If you didn't listen to the, um, the introduction, the introduction episode, I can't talk. It's been a really long day. Um, if you didn't listen to the episode because you didn't want to get spoiled on season two, that's fine. I'll just give you a rundown of what we're going to do after we recap the episode. Um, we'll have a couple of segments. We'll talk about what was the biggest solution to the comics. We'll give uh, Blossom the best Blossom Burn shout out. We'll do good, bad, funnies. Um, we'll talk about changes that we would have made. We will um, have theories, a section for theories to go over who we think, you know, who done it. 
and then we'll discuss the new series uh, that's going to be Sabrina. So there's going to be a new Sabrina series on Netflix. We'll talk about whatever news we have about that until it's out. And then I don't really know how we're going to handle it once it's on the air, but we'll figure it out when we get there. Um, and then we'll also do Skeet's dad Graham Corner. So Skeet Ulrich, who plays a character that we haven't met yet, if you've only seen the pilot, he'll come up. I'm not going to tell you who he is, you know, no spoilers or anything. Um, but he, he always, in all of his many, many roles, he always plays like a very dark, bad guy. Like most of us know him as Billy Loomis from the original Scream. And he was very broody and very dark in that movie. But IRL, in real life, he's actually a really sweet goofball dad. And if you follow any of the cast members on Instagram, and I recommend it because they're all super cute and they're just the sweetest kids and they're, they're really pretty funny. Um, Skeet will comment on all of their pictures. <laughs> so don't, don't follow them until you get caught up or you will see some stuff that will spoil it for you. So once you get caught up to wherever they're at um, on TV, then follow the cast members. But he always leaves like a very dad comment, um, like a very jorts paired with Crocs <laughs> comment. Um, and and that's, that's pretty much all we'll do for theories, or for, for theories, that's pretty much all we'll do for segments. So we'll start off with the most Archie moment, and this isn't like, the biggest Archie scene or, you know, where we like get the most KJ Appa or, you know, where it revolves around Archie as a character. It's by that, I mean, um, what alluded to the comics the most. So in this pilot episode, really it's all of it. Um, it was written by the showrunner who is a Archie comics writer. Um, the showrunner's name is Roberto Aguera Sacasa, and I'm pretty sure I'm butchering that. I'm so sorry. I live in Texas. Like I should know how to say that name, but I don't. I'm painfully white. Um, he, um, so when, when it's a Roberto episode, you'll know because it does feel very comic booky. Um, and you can't help but love it. All the imagery, all the, um, you know, pops as a whole, the whole milkshake thing, all the cars in town, the way the kids talk to each other, especially Kevin. Kevin always has like a very um, 1950s feel to his words. He's a, he's a real golly gee kind of guy, and I, I love it. I can't get enough of it. So the mar most Archie moment is just the entire episode. The best blossom burn is late ladies, faux lesbian kissing hasn't been taboo since 1994. That's right. Great job, Cheryl they'll get better. <laughs> Her burns are usually really spot on and I love it. You could say it's like, oh, Betty has too much on her plate, but I didn't like that because I don't like anybody fat shaming uh, my favorite people. Um, so for our good, bad funnies, we will, I'm going to say that my good this week is um, just besides the overall cinematography that made me fall in love with the show from the get go, I'm going to say the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of scenes where they have either similar or very contrasting shoes. So it opens with um, Jason and Cheryl's bright red shoes that they're wearing with their very white outfits. And even though he's wearing like Keds and she's wearing stilettos, 
really, really beautiful. <laughs> I really like it. And then in the seven minutes in heaven scene with um, Archie and Veronica, he's in his chucks and she's in these like sky high heels, like real stilettos. Um, and it perfectly captures who they are as characters and how they come together. And I really like it. For the bad, um, I'm just going to say like the whole Grundy plot line. I don't like it. I can't say it enough how much I don't like it. I, it's just gross to me. I wish it wasn't a thing, but you know, I guess I wouldn't change it because I guess it's important to see how Archie is victimized, but it makes me sad as somebody who, who just loves Archie because he's, he's just so full of good. He's not always the smartest guy, but he is always a very good guy. He always has the best of intentions and this woman is doing some very bad things to him and I cannot get on board with it. It's not hot they want you to think it's hot it's not it's gross um for the funny i'm gonna say all of betty's faces <laughs> she has a million mean faces right here in this pilot she makes like a really good robert de niro face in the hallway with um, veronica and kevin she has like this eye roll when she's dancing with archie that <laughs> is perfect um but Lily Reinhardt just, she's really good at like doing the quote unquote facial acrobatics in her acting. She's really amazing. Um, for changes, if I was in the writer's room this week, I would say more Jughead. He's our narrator and we know nothing about him. We know about all the other kids' parents. We know, uh, you know, a little bit who they are. We know more about Kevin, who is a guest star this season, than we know about Jughead who is part of what is considered the core four. The core four is Archie, Jughead, Betty, and Veronica. And we know absolutely nothing about Jughead. He's the one telling the story, for goodness sakes, and we don't know anything about him. So I would definitely, definitely write him into more scenes. I would get a good layout of who he is and where he comes from in this, in this town. Um, what, what is life like? for Jughead because he's also a beloved character from the comics just like everybody else and he's more than a crown you know in the, in the comics he was just kind of like comedic relief with a crown but um in this story you know he's like the emo kid we should get to know about him too so that would be my one change this week um for theories they really make you want to think it's Cheryl they really lay it on heavy with pointing everything at Cheryl um, the way the camera lingers on her, the way she's so thirsty for attention. Um, she holds like events in her brother's honor instead of actually grieving. And that's really sad and, but also very suspicious. Um, Sabrina, so no news really. All we know is that Netflix has ordered a Sabrina series. I think they've ordered a two season arc. I could be wrong about that. Um, is based on the most recent uh, rendition of the Sabrina comics, which is the chilling tales of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. So it's not going to be the Melissa Joan Hart, goofy, TGIF, um, ABC show that, you know, the sitcom that we know and love from the 90s. 
I do hope Melissa Joan Hart, who played her in that, that rendition of the show, will make a cameo somewhere. But I, I don't know because she's not really a very broody kind of person. She's not very good at being a dramatic actress. And if she is, I just haven't seen anything with her in it. I think I've only seen her in goofy family comedies. And I love her. Clarissa Explains It All was a huge part of my childhood. I still have season one on DVD. On DVD. Um, but I, I don't know how she would fit into that story. But I hope she gets to. Um, but that we don't have any casting news. We don't have a launch date. We don't really have anything other than Netflix has bought it. Um, for Skeet's Dadgram Corner, um, this week, Madeleine Petch, who plays Cheryl, posted this, like, really artsy picture of her where she's, like, doing this, like, weird kneel crawl thing on the sidewalk. I'm guessing her boyfriend took the picture because they are always together on Instagram. Um, and, but, like, most of her fans are talking about, like, how fire her outfit is and how gorgeous she is and, you know, blah, 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 fan service. But Skeet <laughs> wrote, did you find some coins? And then a sticking tongue out face emoji. That is so something my dad <laughs> would put on as a comment. Granted, I don't think he knows what Instagram is, but on Facebook, he would definitely say something to that effect because he's a goober and in his 50s, and <laughs> that's exactly who Ski Ulrich is, and I just love it. Ski Ulrich might be the perfect man. I don't think he's married right now, and I don't understand why, so there's probably like some real skeletons in that closet because he's not only beautiful but he's also goofy and that's the perfect pairing <laughs> that's that's like a um fine white wine paired with your uh chicken scampi at olive garden because that's how classy i am <laughs> or a nice sparkle teeny that only cost five dollars but lasted me two nights again i am a little buzzed <laughs> so if, if i'm a little slurry or a little silly you're not wrong um, and I think that's real, that's it for today. So that was the pilot. A lot happened. Um, a lot of character development, a lot of explanation on the story. I'm still not really intrigued uh, into the actual mystery, but I am definitely invested in these characters. So I want to know more about the living characters. I don't really care so much about the dead ones, but I am in to find out how these kids are going to get through high school. Um, if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Cherie04. That's C-H-E-R-I-E-E-04. -E -E if you want to send a private email, um, you don't want it like blasted all over Twitter, that's fine. You can. You can email realhousewivesofriverdale at gmail.com. Um, to those of you that have emailed me already, just based off the intro episode, We'll get to the topics that you, you sent me, and I will give you a shout-out, but this is just a pilot episode, and I don't want to get too um, spoilery yet for the people that have literally only watched one episode, so they don't know the level of nerd that they're dealing with and how devoted we are as fans, so just hang tight. I definitely read all your articles, and we'll talk about them. Um, 
But I think that's it for today. Don't forget to rate and review. That helps other grown-ass adults find us. And we know that this is going to be the voice for people who are out of their 20s but still watch this show and love it. Um, you can you can rate and review in Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, um, SoundCloud, anywhere you get your podcasts, however you're listening to me today. Um, but I think that's it. Toodles!